1: in this podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to FYI, ARC's for Your innovation podcast. Today, we're extremely happy to welcome Kimball Musk to the show. Uh, thanks for being here, Kimball. Thanks for having me. really excited to be on the show. So I think a, a good way to start for our listeners who aren't as familiar with you or your background, I think you have a lot of uh, varied experience and expertise across entrepreneurship and philanthropy. What gets you most excited and, and how are you spending your time these days?
2: I love what Big Green does from food justice side of things. My, I've been very fortunate to have success in business that enables me to, to dedicate a large part of my life to food justice, which I believe is an area that I know well. I've been in the restaurant business for 20 years. I have an urban farming company, and I know how difficult it is in those food de- deserts. We've worked in the most toughest neighborhoods of Memphis or Detroit, Atlanta, and i uh, being able to go in and, and educate kids about real food, help local nonprofits uh, through the DAO, which I know we'll talk about, uh, empower them to, to do their work. I would say that that's uh, it's probably my favorite thing I'm doing right now. You mentioned B- Big Green. We would love to, can I,
3: if you could spend time explaining what, what the mission behind Big Green is and, and the problem
2: that it is trying to solve around kind of growing food. You bet. So, so Big Green, we believe that growing food changes lives. It fundamentally changes your connection to nutrition security. If you're able to grow your own food, you you, you just have a d- different way of thinking when it comes to um, your access to food, psychological connection. It also is really good for mental health. Going out and growing in your in your backyard or or growing in your school or in your community garden, it it helps you uh, helps you with some of those uh, uh, frankly not just the downs even the ups just to kind of calm your calm yourself, gets you out into nature. And when you're growing food, it also opens your eyes up to the weather uh, change, the weather volatility that comes from climate change. So for us at Big Green, growing food changes lives, and uh, we do it in three ways. We do it direct granting to teachers to help them uh, teach in their in their garden. We also do a home garden grants. So we work with nonprofits to help install home gardens, and recently with uh, with your help uh, at Arc Invest, uh, we have formed a Big Green DAO about a year ago, and are learning how to use Web3 for philanthropy. So you kind of
0: led into to what we want to talk about today, which is the DAO, uh, but before we even jump into that, I, I would love to hear kind of from your experiences in philanthropy, like what are the, some of the challenges you've run into and, and why have you kind of gone down this path of pursuing an alternative means of administering uh, philanthropic operations?
2: Yeah, I I think that's a great place to start. You know, the the challenges in philanthropy, and and I look at it from two sides. I am a donor to many causes, uh, including food justice. And that perspective is very hard to get right because you want to do good things, but you're also challenged with the fact that, uh, for example, if I wanted to support a nonprofit in Atlanta, it's, it's three or four hours away by plane, and I've got to go spend time with that person. It's quite hard. So what, what I did in the past was I would fund teachers directly that had gardens and schools because, I, because Big Green's history is building outdoor gardens and training teachers. I know what I'm doing. And I can say, okay, these are the teachers that need support. The money is usually $2,000. Uh, it's a very manageable number. It's very similar to the uh, uh, you know, the female entrepreneurs in India where, where you do these microloans loans. This is a grant, but it really matters to these teachers. That's how I solved it. But the problem with that model is if you are not an expert in the field, you are stuck with a very opaque way of funding nonprofits. Uh, If I were to do a funding in in police reform, for example, which I have tried, it's a very complicated uh, problem because you, as a donor, want to support the best organization. And even the organizations will... I mean, frankly, they are competing with each other. They'll kind of talk negatively about the other organizations. And and you sit there as a donor without really a good understanding and you're really trying to do good things. But, uh, and and I do make the donation because I want to, but it's not not very transparent. And it's also not transparent what they do with the money. It's not uh, transparent what my support helped them create. And then I also have the other side of sitting on the nonprofit side of raising money and having donors say to me, look, we will support your work. And and we have have a lot of donors to thank at Big Green. We've we've had a lot of success uh, doing, raising funds and deploying them around around the country. And I really wanna thank the donors, but it's also a very tough problem because they want a report on how we're doing, how we're using their money. And honestly, we can write a report, but but the money kind of goes into a pool of funds and we're doing our best. That's really the honest answer. But we end up writing these reports that we know no one really reads and it's frustrating. So I would say both sides of the being a donor and also being a recipient of funds has its problems today in philanthropy. And yet it's still the way it's done. So I still am very grateful to the donors out there as well as uh, uh, to the nonprofits that I have funded. I'm, I'm glad they're doing the work they're doing. But I think there's a better way.
0: Yeah, it's a funny predicament because everybody involved is trying to do good in some way, but it's actually operationally and, and the coordination effort. It's very difficult
2: uh, to do that efficiently. It's very difficult to do it efficiently. You can, in a in a nonprofit world, uh, you can spend up I think twenty three percent of your of your funds you receive on fundraising alone. Which is which is a big number, right? So if you if you raise ten million dollars, your two point three million goes to your fundraising efforts. Uh, and by the way, th- that's usually the right number. So it's a, they need to put a lot of resources behind it. And then uh, the foundation can do I think fourteen percent of their overhead for funding efforts. So trying to figure out who should be the best recipients. If they're giving out ten million dollars a year, they 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 put aside one point four million to figure out who should receive those funds. So. You're, you're kind of starting with, you know, if you take hundred percent and you take 14% off plus 23% off, you're almost at 60% efficiency of the dollars. Um, and I think it's the best we've been able to do until web three came along. And would
3: you say that most of the philanthropic organizations, like there, there's universal consensus on these inherent challenges. Is this something that's like been sort of top of mind for many of the organizers, or is this something just in your experience that you've kind of identified as problems and enter, you know, potentially uh, kind of Web3 fitting in?
2: I would say that it is universally recognized and it is the best we can do. So no one is being hard on themselves. It's just a reality. This is what it costs to fundraise and this is what it costs to figure out who should receive funding. Like uh, Frank, you said, everyone has the best intentions or good intentions here. And that's that's very important to to remember. And yet it's very inefficient. And everyone knows that.
3: How does creating a, a DAO then help to to solve some of these coordination problems? Would love to you know get a sense of your journey down the crypto rabbit hole uh, and sort of w- w- the epiphany that you've had in, in in identifying these challenges and seeing how they can be solved by by crypto.
2: Yeah, well, th- thank you. Um, and y- and you guys, about a year ago, were, were a really great helping hand here. So uh, COVID was an interesting time. We we. Our history at Big Green is building outdoor, outdoor gardens that are classrooms, edible schoolyards where teachers teach science through the growing of food. We had built 650 of them around the country, 100 at a time in major cities, Detroit, Chicago, Memphis, LA, Denver. When COVID hit, we were simply not allowed, it was against the law. You were not allowed to work on school grounds, not allowed to do construction. And uh, the second year came along, this was about it, but over just over a year ago, the second year came along and, and they said they were going to reopen schools, but you're not allowed to do your work because of COVID. And um, we were sitting there with, with donor funds that have asked us to do good work. And we called the donors and said, hey, could we try other ways of doing our work? Because in the world of philanthropy, the funds are restricted, so they have to give us permission. And for those that had funded learning gardens, we just said, you know, we're not allowed to do that. And so, so I was sitting with uh, uh, a great team of people at Big Green, really passionate about uh, helping with equity and uh, access for food justice, saying to ourselves, okay, what, what should we do here? And the, the first step we did was funding teachers directly. And we, we, this was August of 2021, and we had decided in July to, to do this. But in August, we said, okay, how can, what's the first thing we should do? And school was just starting up. We reached out to our entire network, plus people outside of the Big Green Network. And we said, who needs money to jumpstart your garden? Because it had been closed for 18 months. And we got almost 500 teachers that were willing to receive funding. I mean, this is never done in the nonprofit world. We were just writing checks or wiring money directly to teachers uh, so they could start their gardens. And it it came from the fact that we trusted these teachers. Uh, There was no grant application, and uh in that process we we found that it was zoom webinars we we built community around it, but there was no like actual paper application in that process we realized that this is this is not efficient at all i mean think about the the nonprofit world you think that's inefficient try funding teachers directly i would say even to this day a year later we still have checks being returned in the mail because it got lost in the postal service somewhere and uh, we had one teacher joke with us when we started working with Web3, that because this is a few months later, that jumpstart was like using horses instead of cars. And it was true. Like we were really super old school. And I at the same time was uh, my eyes were being opened to web three and this distributed governance that caught my eye. And I said, you know, these teachers were funding our base all over the country. If we could have people located in those communities helping us choose the teachers. I think that would be pretty cool. I wonder if we could use the internet for that and use use a, use a very verified way to do it, because you're dealing with real money here. So so fraud would be, would be a real concern, especially when you're dealing with do- donor dollars, you've got to give them tax deductions. The last thing they want is to be in a headline where, where people have misused their money. And so we started to play with that idea, and we realized in the process that we actually need much more engaged members of the DAO. So traditional DAO members, at least at the time of traditional DAOs, a, a decentralized autonomous organization, were you know, 10,000 people or even a million people. And uh, that really wasn't what we were looking for. We, we, we were looking for something that would frankly be pretty small and progressively grow over time. And what's so cool about the DAO technology, Web3 technology is None of this is predetermined. So uh, even though no one had done a small DAO, we could do it. So, okay, well, let's start with six nonprofits. And we said, uh, we'll treat it as an experiment. We'll focus on growing food changes lives. And let's talk to some of the nonprofits that we know who are total rock stars in, in the country and see if they'll be interested in participating. And uh, we built a white paper. You can go to dao.biggreen.org. D-A-O, and read the white paper it is we put our 10,000 hours into that and it has worked out very well but at the time what we wanted to figure out was how do we solve for transparency how do we solve for decentralizing decision making so that you know i'm a white guy in boulder colorado and trying to solve problems in atlanta it's like the definition of an ivory tower let's see if we can get people in atlanta to help with atlanta and so um we brought together these nonprofits. Uh, one of them was from Atlanta, her name is Wande. We, uh, someone representing the Native American community a day. Uh, Staff Sergeant Lacey, um, African-American man in Denver. Uh, Catherine Fleming from Minnesota, she worked uh, to help. She built gardens around uh, the George Floyd uh, healing. So he bring the community together in that, in that neighborhood. Wonderful woman. And um, uh, we also have Vero from from Brownsville, Texas, which is on the border of Texas and Mexico, where most of the cartel harm is being done and very difficult community. And, and this woman doing amazing things. We asked them to join the, the DAO and we also, Big Green was a member, uh, but not me. I wanted to make sure I wasn't a member. So that wasn't, you know, tall white guy trying to, uh, rich you know, whatever, what, you know, that sort of power structure that I think we're trying to move away from and those six people were they were I put a million dollars in those six people received $50,000 so they got a grant unrelated to their work on the DAO because this was an experiment what if it didn't work I wanted them to have the freedom to say you know what this isn't for me so it was straight up donation and those 6 nonprofits. Get to vote on the next quarter. And uh, so in Q1 this year in February they voted to bring on 10 nonprofits and the Dow again you can read read about this at dow.biggreen.org has a minimum 20% giving requirement of the whole treasury per quarter. So you have to move the money. And I like the idea of creating this river of funding rather than this lake of funding. People always kind of have the scarcity mindset, but if you're moving the money then it changes your mind to be more of a growth mindset. And uh, 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 in Q1, they were required to give away $300,000, and they, did it, they gave it across 10 nonprofits. And so that grew the DAO to be 16 nonprofits, because everyone who received funding also gets a vote. And that really was very interesting. That was a decision Markman, who, who's the architect of the, of the DAO, and I we were working together on how do you constantly challenge the, the powers that be? So if you start with six and and then you let them give away money, well, actually, you're just concentrating power into those six. And so when you, in this DAO, you give money away to a nonprofit in food justice, you're also giving away power. So that six grew to 16. And now those 16 nonprofits vote in June for the next round. And they brought on 37 nonprofits in June, uh, and they gave away about $800,000. And the Dow can vote to give away a range of 20 to 30% of the Treasury. And, of course, at that point, we would have run out of money because I had given only a million dollars. But since uh, we opened it in November of last, last year to, um, to June, we had brought on almost 2,000 donors, average donation of about $90, $900, and, or median donation. And uh, total funding we'd raised was now... Over six million dollars, which was, I mean, just a, so much gratitude to the Web3 community to for for putting their their um, their faith in this experiment, and so we've been able to continue to grow it. Uh, and so in June we we brought on thirty seven. Now those people also get a vote, and now we have about fifty five or so nonprofits plus a few donors. Donors can get a vote too, uh, and I'll explain that in a moment. And uh, they vote then on who should join. This month. So, as of uh, this is the middle of September, as of tomorrow, September 15th, the voting is over for this quarter. And they, the Dow will be able to bring on about up to 60 new nonprofits. And now, this is really important where it comes back to those challenges we were talking about with foundations and with, uh, with nonprofits. If you try to evaluate, so there are 114 applications coming in this quarter. was voted on for giving away money this quarter. So the DAO votes on how much money to give away. And then they have to evaluate 114 nonprofits and decide which should receive funding between 10 and $50,000. It's all written in the the smart contracts. And uh, that means that many nonprofits are not gonna get funded. Some will get 50,000, some will get 10, some will get something in between. But the difficulty of evaluating 114 nonprofits would be astronomical. We would, just like any foundation, need to commit millions of dollars to to doing that evaluation. And the DAO is able to do it in a totally transparent way by crowdsourcing all of this voting and uh, do it with, uh, there's a 5% management fee that is allowed in the DAO for non-philanthropic purposes. And I don't even think we hit that 5%. It's, uh, it's that efficient.
0: It's pretty incredible. And I mean, you talk about transparency and, and and I love this concept of seeing the DAO grow over time as the recipients of grants then become members of the DAO. I was, I was looking at the snapshot page for the DAO where the governance happens and I could see how it's evolved over time where you have a few votes in the beginning and now 30, 30 plus uh, organizations are voting and I can see that without asking you about it. Like, it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible.
2: So the way, the way we've decided to do it at the DAO is we are, all of the voting is totally transparent. So it started September 1st, end September 15th. You go in as a, as a member of the DAO. So you're mostly nonprofits and a couple of donors. I'm one of the donors. I can see how people are voting on a day-to-day basis or hour-by-hour basis. And I can make my vote. And until tomorrow night at midnight, I can change my vote. So I can actually go in and see, hey, the nonprofits I supported are not really getting support from the community. I can go on to Discord. I can cheerlead for them, but if they're not getting support, I can actually go in and change my vote and put it where it can be more used to nonprofits that uh, maybe the other the other parts of the community are are supporting. That is amazing. I mean, uh, instead of it being like you mail in your vote and you find out later, you you get to see it in. At totally real time, how the votes are changing, and you can change your vote, totally change it until uh, the end of that two week period. we believe it's a much, much better way than really any other philanthropic approach i've I've ever seen. It is a really interesting flywheel effect
3: in that to bootstrap the network at, at the onset, it's like you kind of have to identify sort of the the the, the initial nonprofits that. Are suited, but once you have that that foundation, like you kind of just letting it in the wild, and then allowing them to kind of build their own network effects until you have so many of them that that you basically just rely on outsourcing some of the the vetting as well, right? It's like so you you ended up having 114 organizations, like you said, and then it's like, well, we don't have the time to do the diligence, but that's where it's like you can kind of distribute and
2: automate some of that that vetting. Yeah, the automation, by the way, is another. I didn't even mention that. It is so great to just automatically know who receives what, because everyone has to have a wallet to uh, to you know nominate themselves or get nominated, and so we have we have their wallet address. We we haven't used Web three funding just yet, but we are excited to use it. And and the main reason is just we're talking about nonprofits in in tough neighborhoods. They're being onboarded slowly into the Web3 world, but it's a learning process. So for now, we're continuing to fund them with with dollars. But how exciting it's going to be when But we still get the automation around the voting and who gets what and the whole thing. And you you know it one second after midnight tomorrow night. It's not like, oh, there's some mystery and we open the black box in two months and we tell you who got what. As a recipient or as a donor, you can track along the whole thing and go into di- the Discord. By the way, has been such a surprisingly beautiful uh, benefit that that doesn't talk to the challenges of uh, foundations and nonprofits. It's an, a community of food justice nonprofits that are cheering each other on, that are bringing their trusted colleagues onto the DAO. That has been the superpower. If 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 uh, nothing else comes of the DAO, the community itself is the most wonderful, beautiful thing I've ever seen in the nonprofit space. And I've been working in the space for 12 years.
0: So you you talked about yourself voting as a donor, and there's also the grant recipients who are part of the DAO. How does that dynamic work between giving a vote to both parties? And I'm also interested, has there been any contention in this relationship or, or, or things that you think are challenges that that could go better in the future?
2: I would actually say there were a lot of concerns before we went through a full year. So um, in a couple of weeks, September 30th will be the full year of operating, and at that point, we will we'll finalize the constitution. We're all going to gather together in person uh, in Denver and do the Dow the Big Green Dow gathering. Any major donors listening to this call, interested in joining that gathering, we would love to extend an invite to uh, the Ark and Best community. It's going to basically be, 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 be some, you know, put into stone what, what, what this is going to be. But a year ago, when we were talking about giving donors voting, the nonprofits were, were a little bit bummed about it. They were very excited to be in, invited to join the DAO. And then they said, oh, you're just one of those things where you kind of get us in there and then the real power is going to go to the donors. And we were listening really carefully and we said, okay, what if we don't give people a vote based on how much they donate? You have to give a minimum donation of one ETH and you have to apply to be a donor, so two steps. But um, what if we only um, uh, gave, gave uh, donor votes? Uh, to, you know, if you put in a million dollars and we have people get put more than that in, you still only got one vote. If you put in one ETH, you got one vote. And they were like, okay, that's interesting. they were worried about too many people wanting to vote. And I think over the year we've had 20 uh, donors that are really excited to vote. And uh, that was another question. They were like, well, when we started, we have six nonprofits. We don't wanna have seven or 10 donors. We we wanted to keep the nonprofits have the loudest voice. So that was another learning we had in the process. So we made an agreement that we use the golden ratio, which is at no point would, would more than about two thirds of the voting be be for donors. So there is a, a ceiling for donors, and it was things like that that helped build the trust uh, between nonprofits and the DAO. It is now a DAO, of course, so I don't even have to get to control the stuff. But once it's in, the, it's written down in the constitution, it'll be done. Uh, but bet- you know, until September 30th, we have the freedom to make some changes, and so that's one of the changes we made. And donors will be able to donate from October 1 to December thirty first. Anyone who wants to be a voter will then be able to apply. Uh, There is no minimum donation, but to to be a voter, you have to donate a minimum of one ETH. And um, uh, when you donate, you'll get an opportunity to go. So go to Dow.BigGreen.org to make a donation. You'll have an opportunity to to give your email address so that we can reach out to you as uh, many people know, there's a lot of anonymity in, um, in the world of, uh, of Web3. Well, if you wanna be a voter, you gotta let us know who you are. And, um, and, or if you wanna want to get a tax deduction, you have to let us know who you are. And we, so we work very really thoughtfully with donors around that and uh, really encouraging people to, to donate. Uh, join the DAO, no, no minimum donation to join the Discord. And then if you are like what you see, you can donate more and get a vote It's very exciting. So your interests in in philanthropy
3: have been longstanding, and and now you're kind of deep in this crypto rabbit hole. I'd be curious, one, what what does like ultimate success for Big Green Dow look like to you? You know, you've kind of mentioned some of the stats this last year. It's like, what does three years, five years down the line look
2: like to you? I really want Big Green Dow to change people's lives through the growing of food. We are able to do it much more efficiently in a more transparent way. But at the end of the day, we wanna change people's lives and we believe we, we are able to do it. Um, we, we added Twitter spaces for Big Green Dow on Monday and I was talking with a, with a nonprofit from another one from Atlanta and one from Austin and their work, it's, it's beautiful work. Really, it's powerful, it's impactful. And, um, and we're able to do that, have that kind of impact. The, the other thing that I love, because I'm an entrepreneur and always kind of like stirring the pot, is we have major foundations, I imagine almost all of the major foundations in the country paying attention. And they're wondering if this could be a way they could work. They may not work in food justice, they may work in other areas, or they may work in food justice and they support the Dow. That's really powerful to be able to use Web3 to to educate the donor community that there is another way. I don't think it's ever going to make foundations going to go away or make person in person giving go away. Which of those? Those are the two two major ways of, of uh, donate donating. It's either through a foundation or it's individually you give money away. There's now going to be a third way where you can give it to the Big Green Dow and in the in the world of food justice, that DAO. In a totally transparent way, will evaluate, uh, fund, and uh, 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 provide reporting to the donor. Pretty cool. So I think this is a third way, and it's uh, it's made possible through Web three. I will I will say it's less of a crypto thing and it's more of a Web three thing. So we take donations in dollars, euros, Bitcoin, Ethereum. This is actually using smart contracts to decentralize finance in the philanthropic space. I mean, it's truly amazing and you could not do this without Web3. There is no technology out there where, that people would trust. You could run, you could do this on a spreadsheet for a little while. You start running into evaluating 114 nonprofits in a two week period, no way, uh, simply just no way. And we're able to do it and do it uh, fast and efficiently and in, in a transparent, decentralized way. I think Web3 has uh, so much potential. Yeah, I think you
0: kind of made the tie to this being, in a way, decentralizing the finance of philanthropic giving. But in another way, you've you've kind of really carefully thought about making sure this isn't over-financialized. For example, a lot of other DAO tokens are transferable, and people speculate on the value of voting rights for this protocol or another protocol. The Big Green DAO has non-transferable tokens. So you really need to commit to being in this For the power of voting explicitly, not for, I think this vote will be valuable
2: in the future. Exactly. And I think that, you know, a year ago today, there was so much speculation in the space that I think it would have created a lot of unhealthy dynamics. I think actually, if we were to do it today, where we don't have any plans to do it, I think it wouldn't be so bad. I think it would be more of a, I'm going to own this, it might be worth something more in the future that'll add to my thinking instead of, I'm going to buy this and sell it for a hundred X in two weeks. Like that wasn't healthy, especially in the philanthropic space. So what I do think we will, we're constantly working on a big green is we love the NFT world. How can we create art that work with artists, of course, to, to create art that is valuable, that helps fund the big green Dow. That's cool. We're working on that. We haven't figured out what to do yet, but we are excited about that space. And we hope that people value that art and, and the more more valued it is, the more money will go to the Dow.
3: yeah, I mean, I definitely echo that sentiment. i I think it adds a lot of credibility when you're sort of starting this initiative and it's not something where random speculators can kind of get it and try to you know make a quick profit. So you know that I think has it re- resonates a, a lot with the the broader community. I'm, i I imagine you mentioned nfts a little bit I, i'd be I'd be curious to get. Your sense on maybe broader crypto views and, and how they've changed over time, you know, maybe as a result of your experience with Big Green Dow or even in reaction to the, the crypto community, you mentioned a, a vibrant Discord community. Uh, but the, the markets, are, you know, the, the markets must be telling you something that a year or two years ago you may not have realized.
2: You know, I think that actually I I've just been around the block a few times, so I was around the internet when it first arrived and how much people, I remember uh, I was 22 maybe and uh, I was sitting in the offices of the Toronto Star, which is a major newspaper and they, they owned the Yellow Pages for Toronto. And uh, the, the this is not a great story about this guy, but, but he ended up becoming a friend and a partner later. So it ends well, but I'm sitting in the room with him and I'm saying to him, hey, you need to get on this internet thing because it's gonna make your Yellow Pages business irrelevant. And I obviously I was 22. I wasn't good at saying it, but he was quite insulted. And he, and he picked up the phone book, the yellow pages book, sorry. And he threw it at me and he said, do you think you will ever replace this? And our company was, we built maps into all directions with the yellow pages. And within two years, his business had evaporated and, uh, and he became our partner actually. So it ended well, but my, my thinking around this stuff is, are you solving a problem for normal humans? And in the case of our big green DAO, we're solving a problem. We're bringing transparency, we're bringing um, the knowledge of the front lines into our, into our decision-making, decentralizing it, You know, really hitting some hardcore pain points, and you can't do it without Web3. But in the internet days, there were plenty of players out there trying to use the internet to solve every problem on the planet. Actually, no, when the bubble burst, only the ones that were truly solving problems could survive and that's going to be the same thing with web 3 it happened the same thing with web 2 so i look at this past year as a just a natural cycle for a brand new technology and i am not 100% convinced it's the same trajectory as the internet web 1.0 was i think that that honestly we're we're missing the sort of innovation like we saw in the 90s of Mosaic and the Netscape browser where you're like, oh, wow, that was a big aha moment for, for, for people. So I, I don't think we're there yet, but I do think that the technology is powerful and there are there are so many smart people working on the space that that aha moment will come and then everything will flow and it'll be another cycle and there'll be another bubble and, 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 and we will repeat. I love your support of Tesla over the years and we saw that same cycle. We saw it in electric cars, Every few years, there'd be another bubble, and then um, we would benefit from it, but then come down with 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 bubble bursting. And then we would just constantly be focused on building a great product and a product people wanted to use, wanted to drive. And uh, you guys supported that. I know what I know. You guys know that as well.
0: Yeah, you bring up an interesting point, which is what the the status quo says uh, when there's disruption, kind of on uh, coming coming around the corner from behind them. Is there is there anybody in your kind of Peer group of uh, in the philanthropic giving business that was throwing the yellow pages at you, saying this is never going to work. Or are they are they kind of blown away by the success? What is the what is the perception of Big
2: Green Dow? Actually, I will say we we made a very good decision in the early days to call it an experiment, and I think that that wasn't because of the bubble side of things, but it really helped us when the bubble burst because we had a very humble way of saying, hey, we're trying to do something different here. We are not convinced we know what we're doing, but we also know the problems really well. So those foundations that might have had a skeptical eye have not really thrown the yellow pages at me. You know, they've been more of a, I'm not sure if this will work, here are the reasons, da 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 Frankly, they, they cont- contributed to the white paper. So we were able to add their thinking um, one of the main main concerns uh, which which has been solved, which is amazing, is nonprofits don't get along. And they're, the, the foundations would say to us, look, this is a cool idea. We've actually tried some of these giving circles before. And these nonprofits, they focus on their thing and arguably it's not a bad thing. They compete with each other and they don't, they don't necessarily get along. What we've learned in the DAO, when you make the voting very transparent, when you give people power and you also explain to them that you are this is how the power works, and you and we cannot take it away from you in the future. They they do get along, they actually know how to connect very well with each other, because they're not competing with each other in the DAO. They are they're collaborating, and there is it's uh, trustless. This term that Web three is so well known for, they know exactly where they stand all the time, and um, and I think that that was one of the biggest concerns that we have solved for. I mean, today in our Discord, you know, we used to keep track of how many conversations are happening between nonprofits unrelated to the DAO. Like They're just getting to know each other, and they're in Discord talking to each other. And we stopped tracking it because it's just overwhelming how much they, they connect with each other. And um, that is beautiful. So I would say that our approach of this being a um, humble experiment has helped us when the, when the whole Web3 universe cr- crashed. It has helped us with the traditional philanthropists. It's helped us with the nonprofits. Uh, humility goes a long way. Amen to that. I mean, definitely a
3: noble initiative and one that we're excited to keep following. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that experiment is going to then be positioned much more
2: as a, a grand success. It has been an extreme... i got to be honest, I've been part of a lot of things, and this is great. This is... a. The, the the success outcomes are so much better than I thought they would be. And there's they're in areas that I didn't expect. Like like the community on the Discord. I just we we only created a Discord because we were told to. That's what Web3 does. And we had no idea how powerful it would become. Yeah, and, and your framing of if
3: nothing but just that makes it all worth it. Nothing it's but like, that. It's incredible. And, and that, that that approach in and of itself, I think, is very sound because then it's like everything else is just cherry on top. So yeah I mean that, that's amazing. congratulations on on your success and uh, and this this is definitely something we're excited to keep following. I know you you mentioned a few times but I, I want to make sure that our, our listeners are aware of how exactly they can learn more, how they can support uh, big Green Dow um, and uh, you know m- maybe even join join the
2: discord as well. <laughs> Well, definitely have them go to dao.biggreen.org, and it's da and there they can learn a lot about the DAO. They can read the white paper in the top right corner. They can donate. When they donate, they will uh, have the option to ask to join the Discord. Uh, and between October 1st and December 31st, they will be able to apply to vote for the for 2023. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do funding rounds in Q1, Q2, and Q3, and then Q4 will be a fundraising round, uh, quarter. And well, that is another innovation that we've learned in the Dow, because it's a Dow, right? So the Dow will actually do fundraising this quarter, and I I will help, but the Dow will do it. That is awesome. Well, like you seen said, we look forward to
0: seeing it, and it's been been great to catch up. And we wish you the most success. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Kimball.
2: Thanks for having me.